Welcome back to Away Days at Home. And I don't know if it's welcome back or just welcome. It's been, I think it's been five long, long weeks. Maybe oh, they've six. been long weeks. They've Maybe been long six weeks. weeks since you've heard the dulcet tones of myself and Andy, who's now back in Norway. Should we just cut to Andy? The reason we've been <laughs> off is because you came and visited and brought the Norwegian variant with you that then... Just I mean, we've got no, we've not got any scientific proof to suggest that's what happened. There's a chance that's what happened, but yeah. Um, we have the proof that we had COVID. Yes. We have the proof that you had it free, well, test-wise you had it five days before me, um, which would then pinpoint that probably you were the carrier. But then based on when yours came out versus when it wasn't out, you brought it over. I'm, 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 I've worked it out. I yeah, I've, I think I must have had it either the day of travel or like the day before or something. I, I'm, it's impossible to say, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. It take, it, we know it takes a few days, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. I was just what like because we we obviously met up and we met up with a few people and just one by one I was watching people fall <laughs> like a like a, <laughs> like a row of dominoes, and uh, yeah, it's I mean. Yeah, that so that that killed off a good couple of weeks for us, and then getting back up to speed after that, I think wiped out a bit more time. Well, you moved you moved into as everybody can yeah. a chamber, a chamber of noise, a chamber of sound. Now you moved you moved house, yeah, which has been that's exciting. Um, so that obviously would take up time. That has dominated the last few weeks, um, and yeah, as you probably can hear, my my ceilings are a good meter or so taller now, so I'm gonna have to find out a way to get rid of that. Uh, <laughs> that's slight echo but yeah we yeah we moved moved house and so that's been taking up some time um yeah i i feel like there was something else in the in the There's middle been, of all that but i went to, i went to spain oh that was the other one yeah i was in seville last week where I haven't been back to seville in two years uh i went in the january where i got really sick at the airport it wasn't covid but basically got some form of food poisoning bug Spent four days there, ate ate two things, didn't drink anything, came back. So we went back and got hit with giant sandstorm that went across from the Sahara, across all of Spain, even made it as far as London. Um, the air quality was toxic. I've came back with a cough that I'm pretty sure is because I've got sand in my lungs. Um, and and like it was in the it was rained. It rained in Seville for like three days. Like they never, never, even people were with were like, it never rained. <laughs> like yeah, oh no, we know that's why we came. Um, yeah, it, it really never rains there. Ever. It never rains, and but it was really it was eerie because, like you've been in London before, Andy as well, and I don't know if anyone listening has experienced it, but when those sorts of rare occurrences happen, the sky and the, the everything turns a really weird color. You know, remember there was a time in London a couple of years ago where it happened and it was like orange and it was hard to take a picture of it. Your camera couldn't adjust, the phone cameras couldn't adjust to what your eyes were seeing. Yeah. But it's such a tone in the air. That's what it was like there. It was like being in like the, the latest Blade Runner when he goes to Vegas and it's just like orange. Um, And it was so strange just to kind of experience that. It was raining and it was raining on my camera and I put my camera in my bag and then when I took my camera out later on, 
it was like covered in sand as if I'd been dry, you know like a car windscreen as if you're driving through mud <laughs> it was yeah. like that so there was even in the air and the moisture there was sand um, there's video footage of people in the Sierra Nevada mountains skiing and snowboarding and it looks like they're sandboarding skiing on sand because it's so, so weird, much dropped um, so that's we've, we've done quite a lot in our time away we've not just been sitting on our arses here yeah twiddling our thumbs so i know that our listenership has been tweeting extensively are you guys okay where are you what's been happening um because i've been dying for our views on all the the football affairs but we're back don't worry we're back we're going to try and maintain hopefully nothing bad will happen we see this since we last did this war has broken out (laughs) because we stopped putting Maybe Putin was using a VPN and he was a one Brazilian listener. Oh, maybe that could I, be it. And maybe he went, enough's enough. We, I, I'm done. They're, they're, they're not keep me occupied anymore. So if, if positive news breaks out in the next week, then we know he's happy. He's listening. If positive news does break out in the next week, what a crazy coincidence to, you know, <laughs> to this, just, to this story. Gonna, I'll, pin it, I'll pin it to us. You know, like look at like we have great cultural influence. Like we we chatted about neighbours, got it cancelled. You know, what I mean? yeah. so like, <laughs> like the the power the power's with us. Anyway, welcome back to We Days at Home, everyone listening. We normally discuss all things Rangers, Southampton, and all the football in between. However, we have been a little bit unfaithful in our kind of terms of away days at home, which the premise is: I'm a Rangers fan in London. Andy's a Southampton fan in Oslo. We're away from our home teams. We actually went to some local football. Didn't we, Andy? You went we did. to a Norwegian game at the weekend, and I went to a, I don't know, a conference. I don't know if it's still called the conference now or what, what it's uh, called. Is it? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's no, the, the National League. National League. It's a conference. Yeah. It's, a conference, it's it, the really? conference. The Vauxhall Conference. The Vauxhall Conference. Vanderama. That was the Vanderama, is that a it, Yeah, it was, yeah, it was. <laughs> but, Andy, I'll let you go first. Where where were you at the weekend? I, I was fairly local to where I live, just, um, yeah, a few sort of stops up the road in what is actually uh, Valorenga Stadium. And if we do have any Norwegians listen, they're going to hate the pronunciation of that because it's not how you say it at all. But for, for all of our listeners back in the UK, Valorenga, uh, we were at their stadium, uh, quite a new stadium. It's not bad, actually. It's like 21, 22,000 seats, which is quite big for this country considering its population. Um, so we were there, but we were there to watch um, a team from Stavanger called Viking or Viking. Um, I know them well from football manager days. Yeah, I'm sure a classic Knun- team. Knudsen played for them, as I pronounced that. <laughs> Probably, I have no idea. Um, I couldn't even tell you the players that Phenomenal played on the striker. weekend. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're they're um, they're a decent team. They finished third in the uh, in the Norwegian league last season, and they were playing away to one of the better teams in the championship. Who I could, can't even pronounce this in in any language. I'm going to go with Kortham. Um It's like a local kind of very neighborhood family friendly kind of team from Oslo. Um, so yeah, we, we went to, went to watch them. They, they play some sort of relatively attractive, dynamic attacking football and Viking 
Viking are, I don't know, they're quite a, quite a balanced kind of team, but like attack the ball quite nicely. They one or two decent players as well that clearly like a cut above the rest. Uh, they won 5-0, so that was a nice experience. I would say there was more away fans there than home fans. Um, I think <laughs> the stadium announcer did the, the uh, thank you to the however many people for attending. Uh, my Norwegian on numbers above like 100 isn't too strong. But I think he said 1,600. Uh, so as you can imagine, in like a 20,000-seater stadium, <laughs> it's pretty empty. But uh, the, the away fans are great. They had fireworks every time there was a goal. There was, yeah, everything going on, nonstop singing. They were doing the, the Poznan for half the game. It was it was good fun, like a really good atmosphere. And the, the quality was all right. I was expecting it to be a touch worse, but... Both teams kind of gave it a good go, but yeah, the Viking being sort of the uh, the top team of the two, just like it's like you always see in these cup games, right? It's the the, the class shines through in the end. But yeah. to win five nil is pretty strong. And what 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 is it? Is that an early cup game? Is that a quarters? Is that like it's last? it's a weird one. It's the quarterfinals because they're like everyone's season. Their season's been kind of cocked up a bit because of COVID. Viking actually won the cup back in 2019 and no one's contested a final since. So they're still champions from then. Um, it's the first, I think it's the first cup they've won or even maybe taken part in since like the early 2000s. So they're pretty buzzing about that. Um, and yeah, semi-final now, the, the draw just got done today. They've got border glimped away in the semi-final, which is, is a, t- a tough one to take. Um, but if they get past them, it's a final, and I've been uh, I've been uh, promised they will attempt to get me a ticket for it, which would be good fun. I'd love to see a Norwegian Cup where, final. Where would the final be? It'd be in the National Stadium, which is um, actually about a twenty-minute walk from my apartment. So um, absolutely pre-game it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Up, <laughs> get there, cause a scene. Yeah, that's it. Stagger, stagger home. To to the girlfriend's dismay, I will turn the apartment into a Viking like <laughs> hub before <laughs> before the match. How, have, you, have you is that who you're adopting? Is that have you have you picked? Uh, I, need, I need I need need to think about this. I I should be picking up uh, Start, who are in the championship. They're the team to Christian Sand, uh, which is where girlfriend and all her family are from. Uh, so I should I should be picking them, but I've, I've not. I've never been to watch them. So, yeah, I need to need to see them. They're not the greatest of teams at the moment, but there's a nice connection there, of course, because, like, a bit of family, like the team, support oh, the team. Mate, you don't want the family. You want the... Who's the middle wall in Norway? Getting amongst that. Because oh, I think the top boy, Ray Winston style, socks <laughs> pull balls in a sock, <laughs> straight in, smack. <laughs> That's not how we do it at Southampton, though. I can't... I can't. <laughs> exactly. You don't have to. They don't know how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. They don't know me. All right, I'll cr- create my alter ego and become the the ultimate British hooligan of Norwegian football. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, might, like really, might, I should... it, might, it might boost the listener numbers. <laughs> oh, it might do. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. Let's just go with what's popular. Um, but yeah, I, I should pick an Oslo team. Really, seeing as I live in Oslo. But um, yeah, obviously, there's not been not been too many games um, in, until very recently. This cup final, sorry, this cup quarter final was weird timing because their season hasn't started yet. Because all of the matches have been cocked up by COVID, they're now doing this is the quarter final from last season. Uh, so then you'll get semi final, I think mid April, and then the, the final in May. And then they have to go all over again 
to try, I think, to try and get another cup like run into one season. I don't really know how it's going to work, but yeah. So we basically their first game of the season was a cup quarterfinal. Awesome. That's how they do it. Yeah, good fun. Um, yeah, I try and get to a few league games now this season. I think it was a like it was a good atmosphere considering there wasn't that many people there. Well, it's and, summer, it's summer football as well, isn't it? It's like yeah, and it's actually worked out well because of the the way the season's going to end up next season with the break and yeah, that kind of exactly. That'll be great. Well, yours was exciting. The five goal extravaganza. I a few to, a few less goals in your one, wasn't there? I went to the near top of the table clash between the, some of the titans of the conference division, the mighty Bromley FC, which would fall under my local team. Um, and I've been dying to go for years and the opportunity came up and I thought, why not? Against Hollywood FC, FC Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, as they now know. Wrexham, owned by the two Hollywood superstars. I'm not going to mention their names. But you can, if you don't know, then you, you've not been doing it. The reason I'm not mentioning names is because I can say Ryan Reynolds. It's try to say Rob McAlaney. 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 Sounds about right. Uh, from It's Always Sunny. They are, Rexham are sponsored by TikTok and Aviation Gin. They, I believe, are actually in FIFA as rest of the world team. And there, which is, I, I think, probably. A, f- a world first of the lowest rated team. Oh, it's got to be surely. I'm not. I'm pretty. The reason I'm pretty sure they did it is because I saw a tweet where they were tweeting it out and they were like, "Yeah, we're in FIFA," and I'm like, "Jesus Christ!" So I thought, "Why not? Let's go along to this. It'll be a good laugh." Jumped to train to Bromley. Um, came out the station, a couple of police officers, and I'd been winding up my brother who came along, and I was like, "Yeah, this will be like football factory stuff." you know, local joking. And they came out and there was like hooligan police, football police from Wales. <laughs> oh, that's and crazy. I think, what? Straight into the local Witherspoons for a pre-match pint and they meet one of our mates and the place was full. The women was trying to stop us on the door going in and we were like, no, we've got a table. Um, and it was just full of Wrexham fans and it was mad. And we walked to the ground. The ground's like a 15-minute walk. And there was, I think there was about 3,500 people in the ground. It was like the busiest, one of the busiest games I've had. Um, the Wrexham fans, great, like massive support. Obviously, it's like a big, it's a big weekend, isn't it? Down to London. Why not? Um, and the weather had turned. It was a nice sunny day. They play on, a, a, I would assume, a 5G pitch. The pitch was immaculate. Like it put to shame the Scottish Premier League teams that play <laughs> Astro Turf. The pitch was unbelievably good. Um, the football was not. Um, the fo- I have no highlights of the game. Like the keeper, the keeper got um, the Wrexham keeper got injured and had to get stretchered off, and we all thought it was serious until he was sitting up and he was holding his shoulder, getting stretchered off, and you're like, you can walk, come on, like, come on, like, what are you doing? Surely you can just walk off the pitch. But the I would say the highlights of that game were the steak pasty, which was like a brick, like in weight, but was delicious. Um the the clubhouse where you can get pints, but you can't watch the game obviously, because did you know it's from the so the conference would be what? The fifth tier of English football? Yep. 
Yeah, fifth tier. Sixth tier and below, you can have a you can drink in the stands. You can drink at the side of the park. Fifth tier and above, you can't see the pitch while having a drink. Yeah, that's the rule, isn't it? You're not allowed to be able to see the pitch. Uh, so they pulled you down the actual metal shutters on the bar, and you couldn't see out. But they had they had TVs on with the game live in the bar, which I thought was quite a quite a good setup. Um, they, they they do that at Southampton. If you go and have like your like your halftime beer, I think the bar's still open for maybe ten or fifteen minutes after half time, and they've got the game on the TV. Oh no, the bars don't close. The bars the bars open. oh they're open all the way through, and they they, they are quite a lot of the regulars. I don't know how it works because it was twenty quid a ticket. It's not cheap. It's not cheap afternoon. Um, some people never left. They just, just stayed in there the entire day. Um, <laughs> so good. One of the other highlights was seeing four police officers march in unison, single file, straight into the gents' toilets. Full time. <laughs> um, and my brother went in behind them and was like, "I need to see what's going on here." He needed the toilet as well, and. They were just uh, doing the toilet. They were just uh, having a pee on mass. <laughs> and a young gentleman may have came out the cubicle at that point. And I think he probably had to quickly go to Bromley and get a new pair of pants. Because he <laughs> yeah. apparently shat it. <laughs> uh, and looking at him afterwards, I think I think he had reason to. But um yeah, it was a, it was a it definitely was an experience. Um it's a nice little ground. Um local it was a good atmosphere they're in the fa trophy semi-final which is happening on the 2nd of april and the launch the reopening or they're opening their new bar restaurant thing in the main stand oh i never filled you in the stadium it's they've got like two stands you go in you can sit wherever you want or you can stand in like the two terraces yeah um but they're opening this new thing first your first drink is free on the match day um and if they win that, they get to play at Wembley in the final. Nice. So I, think oh, I forgot be... the finals, Wembley. Yeah, and you usually get like a relatively good turnout at the FA yeah, Trophy final. Yeah, big day out. So they're one game away. They've been playing. They're not playing. The result in the league, I think touching on it for anyone that cares. Wrexham have been kind of flying. They've been the form team. I think they'd won seven or eight in a row mm. um, in all competitions. And Bromley's form's dipped a little bit. But they're both in the running for definitely playoffs. Wrexham probably with the money they're spending on that should be looking at automatic promotion. The two teams just look terrified to like make a mistake. So you get that sometimes, don't you? When the football two the was just play. a bit yeah, the football was a bit sluggish. Um I wasn't expecting great quality. But it wasn't even like I don't know, a bit of dig, a bit of heart, you know, like you would expect yeah. in the lower leagues, like some tasty challenges and a bit of, bit of physicality. There wasn't even that. They just looked kind of like stand, very standoffish, trying to feel each other out. I think they could still be playing now and it would be no real. So, <laughs> One of those. But overall, good good little adventure um, and teed me up really nicely for watching the, the game on Sunday, which we can come on to now, the Rangers-Dundee game. Or should, yeah, should we should we just should we do a a one minute recap of what's happened since the last time we've done this pod? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's let's do it. I'll try. Glasgow Rangers. We the night that Andy infected the world, we played Borussia Dortmund in Dortmund, ready for a pumping, but I thought it'll be good fun, and we beat them four two. 
in a turn of events no one saw coming um, where we played really well um, and then we played them at home expecting okay we're going to get beat 3-0 here and we drew two each um, it also introduced the greatest camera angle in world football now which is across the top of the club deck main stand they've got a, like a camera on a zip line that just goes across the whole stand um, and it's used to great effect first time it was used um, it was then used again in our next match in Europe, which was against the mate of, I'm calling them Red Star Belgrade because that's their name. I can't pronounce the name that they get called in European competition. I, I just I can't do it. It's like Chedda da, da, Dabba or something. <laughs> You're um, right, you can't do it. I'm not doing it. So, played them. I missed the first half because I was at a pre-planned drinks birthday thing. But I had to come back to get the dog and turned on the TV and saw that it was 2 0 and thought five minutes left of the half. It gets to half time and I discovered that there had been two ruled out goals for Red Star, a penalty save against Red Star, um, a penalty for us, the goal. And then luckily, after 50 minutes, we got another one. Balligan scored 3 0. Fantastic. And then we went away again. I missed that game because I was in the air the entirety of the game flying back, but I managed to get in-flight Wi-Fi, um, which then stopped at the 81, 81st minute when it was one each for us. Um, it landed, it was 2-1, so we qualified. And we now have, we're now in the quarterfinals of the Europa League playing at the mighty SE Braga, who we played a couple of years ago. And Not a bad draw. Not a bad draw the at only all. Team, the only team rated below us in terms of bookies. And left in the competition, so it's been it's been an exciting period in Europe. In the league, it's still been pretty fucking shit. Um, as it stands, we're three points behind Celtic, um, who aren't. They won four 0 at the weekend, but they're not blowing people away. While all that fun was happening, Celtic played Norwegian champions Bodø Glimt, um, and by all accounts, should have beat them. Considering Bodo Glimp are in pre season at this point and have been pillaged for some of their best players, and Bodo absolutely just they <laughs> pumped them, they absolutely <laughs> pumped them, just showed them what, like, I think they showed all the frailties of Angeball so well, where they just passed through them and just kind of exploited space and were very, very good. Um, and they've continued to be very good, and they're now in the quarterfinals of the European Conference, whatever it's called. They're playing. A, they've got Roma again, haven't they? Yeah, which um, we were talking about that uh, over here the other day because obviously <laughs> last last time they played Roma, they absolutely demolished them. Was it six one? I think they beat yeah, them at 6-1 home. Six one at home, and then two each away. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and I think. If you could have given Mourinho a choice of all those teams, the last one he'd want to play would be Bodo Glimt because he can't afford a repeat of the same thing. No. And Bodo Glimt know how to get at Roma now. They're going to go out there completely fearless. and Oh, there's no fear. And if anything, it'll, mentally, it'll be in the the Roma players' heads. Oh, Bodo big Glimt, time. Bodo Glimt have got nothing to lose. Nothing no, to absolutely lose. nothing. Um, so yeah, it's a huge game for them, and it's I think it's one of the pick of the ties of of sort of the Conference League, Europa League, Champions League. To be honest, because it's just 
there's just so much happened in those two games and it's it's such a such a small team Bodeglim despite winning back to back championships they're, they're a tiny tiny part of Norway they're really a very young team in terms of how long they've been in the top flight as well and and to be playing against uh, Roma in the quarter final of a European match is, is massive they're obviously not the favourites but I think anyone would be so stupid to write them off it's going to be fascinating that one they're a great game and also like we must admit like Bodo making history Celtic made history this season becoming the first ever club to be knocked out of all three European competitions in the same season <laughs> that's that's such a good stat I haven't I haven't heard that yet yeah, that's brilliant. So that's the first to do it. So congratulations, Ange Postacoglu. Your name is in the history books. Um, <laughs> that's like so, so good. Back to back to matters closer at home. Rangers, we've just not been playing well in the league. Um, there's been a bit of a come down after European matches, you would expect, but we've just we've, it's been start and stop, and I think the players look really tired. Van Bronckhorst has focused very much on his tried and tested players. You can kind of see the players that he, he trusts. And so we're kind of sticking with that, which is good. The game yesterday, there's not much I can really say that's going to... The first half was terrible. Dundee took an early lead. We, we're, we're the leaders in the league of coming back from being down, like a goal behind, to winning points this season, which is a bit of an ind- a damning indictment. That shouldn't be the case. I don't want to be the best at doing that. Um, we, we said this before, though, a, a few weeks ago on, on one of these episodes. It, it's quite amazing like, how many how many games like Rangers have conceded like really early, in, as in opening 10 minutes. Uh, just, and that's not just under Gio, it was under Gerard as well. Yeah, it's been consistent all season, so it's not like you can blame Gio for it. There just seems to be something lacking in the mentality. And I think we played Dundee, we've not touched on this, played Dundee last week in the Cup as well. And it was a pretty dominant performance. 3-0, but it could have been 10. Like, And I wonder if part of that was in the thinking of the players coming into this, thinking, we know what we've got. We're back here again, same team. We'll, 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 this won't be an issue. Um, I want to see Dundee came out and like made it difficult. They never, they just... They got across. It's a decent cross. McGregor was slow in his. I think McGregor was slow with his footwork. Um, you can't blame him directly. Defenders should have closed down better. Ryan Kent was left marking their their guy at the back post. Ryan Kent's not that guy. He's not got the height to out jump anyone in that situation. The guy heads it in, and then they just made it really difficult for us. Plus the park, the park's an absolute state and hadn't been watered. But Prior, Dun, Dundee have been on quite a bad run, haven't they? Or the worst team in the league. Yeah. Um, and so you, you combine that. Then since, again, another thing we've no mentioned is since we kicked off um, the season as such, Rangers announced, well, Rangers didn't announce it. Celtic announced it, um, that we would be playing them in Australia as part of this tournament and it's been they marketed it as Angie's homecoming tour the league has marketed it as home Angie's homecoming tour to Australia there was no word out from Ibrooks for a day no one confirmed it and then it was confirmed by the club and it's went down like an absolute sack of shit there's not a of course it has fan. I, I haven't asked you about it. this I saw I saw the announcement I meant to ask you about it probably in the middle of either 
coughing up COVID or um, moving house. But um, it just, it's not just, it's not just a weird like situation. It's not just weird how it was announced. It's kind of weird when they've announced it. Like why? So what? Why, they na- why now? It. So they jumped, they jumped the gun. Right? So the, it hadn't all been dotted and signed and confirmed with the leak and stuff in Australia, like the Australian side. Uh, by all accounts, Rangers came out and said that for playing these two games, one against Celtic and one against an Australian team, they'll earn more money than they earn in a season from the SPFL by playing these two games. To which that went down like a sack of shit of like, don't sell your soul for this. Mm. But the reason it got announced so quickly and soon by Celtic is because it was the day after the, um, I think the High Court or the Crown Court in Scotland allowed for the first ever time a class civil lawsuit, a bit of litigation style, American style when there's like a company does something wrong and everybody can get involved that's been affected by it. You know, like the ones you see the TV ads, like, have you been affected by X, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> right, yeah. Well, that had happened the day before the announcement to Celtic Football Club due to the, um, for the first time ever in, in uh, Scottish legal history, the case was allowed to move forward where um, the, basically, victims of the child sex abuse at Celtic Boys Club could take forward a civil action case against Celtic Football Club because Celtic have been denying, oh, we're not the same, we're different entities. It was not the case. I'm not going to get into the details of it, but the Celtic View, which was like the Celtic magazine, the official magazine, had all the Celtic Boys Club fixtures and news in it every week. The players would come on at half-time and be presented to the fans. They were, they were part of it. And I think we've seen it in English football, and Man City are going through it, and Chelsea have went, like... These things happened, and Rangers aren't without sin. A couple of their coaches, very similar things. Um, and I would hope that if any actions happen towards Rangers are forthcoming with compensation and, and, and do what they have to do, Celtic have buried their head in the sand with this for a long time. So it's it's coming, and it looks like they're going to get the proof. Everybody's seen the proof. This is the thing. It's It's been out in the open the open kind of public for a long time. The case itself will go through the motions and it'll be interesting to see how it's ruled. But if it's ruled, then it's going to cost Celtic Football Club a hell of a lot of money to sell. Um, And so that news came out. That happened the day before. So Celtic jumped on it and went, let's put out this announcement. Ange, who we all know is the greatest manager in the world. So let's pump it out to our fans. Do all that. Um, and that's that's just let that's just poured fuel on the fire of this whole situation because Rangers fans are like they don't want to be associated with us. It's a form of sports washing. We don't want anything to do with Celtic. Celtic Football Club won't say the term old firm. Celtic Football Club won't say Rangers. Like that, it's they tweeted out that they aren't half of anything, um, and all this, and yet now they they want us to make them money as well. And it's like, why are we secondary? This is our 150th anniversary year. We shouldn't be part of this. So before the game yesterday, the game at kickoff was delayed right after kickoff because the fans flung a ton of toilet paper, Rangers fans flung toilet paper and like till receipt rolls onto the, the thing and they cleared it all up. And then a couple of minutes later, flung tennis balls onto the pitch, disrupted it. 
Um, and then that, so that kicked off the match. So we're kind of roundabout way. I think everybody was just a bit slow at the gates. Dundee took advantage, got the goal. We then got a penalty about the 40th minute. I've watched it. I thought it was soft at the time. Like, if that was given against Rangers, I'd be absolutely furious. But Dermot Gallagher, who's no fan of Rangers, was on Sky Sports and basically said it's a penalty. Letter of the law. The referees made the right call because the jersey was pulled, whatever. Tav steps up, who's been scoring penalties for fun, and just blazes it over the bar. And I think it's that it was that type of game. And I just thought this is this is not fun. And it was dire to watch. You must have had that feeling of like it's not going to be our day. When that happens, you know that way even before it was took, I'm like, he's missing this. I just can't see this going in. Then second half kicks off, just more of the same. But as it kicks off, the Rangers fans then proceed to throw a ton of toilet paper and stuff on the pitch again. Not ideal, not the time when you're 1-0 down and you're trying to come out the gates. Um, and a few of the players and the manager you could, were on camera and you could see them not being happy about it. Um, and then... How how exactly did these guys manage to get all of this toilet paper and all of these tennis balls through like yeah. security? Because it's not it's not like, that you're being checked for that kind of thing, but it, that, like for for it to be that much of this <laughs> stops the game. They they must have looked they must have been carrying some big bags of them. You know, I don't know how they did it to be honest, but I think it's a case of we've seen that you've seen that video of the the steward doing the pat down, not even touching the people. Yeah. It's like, he's like, <laughs> yeah. like, and you go, it'll be that sort of thing. Um, but that happened. Then we came back, got a goal through Aaron Ramsey's first goal um, after Kamar Roof had came on. And then we really went for it. The one thing that I want to just mention about all these games where we've actually managed to get stuff out at Europe and stuff, it's Giovanni's Van Bronckhorst tactical changes. He actually changes it up. He makes a difference. He makes calls. And so far, there've been big calls to make. They've all worked, and it's quite nice to see that. I think we spoke about that when we were saying we were him coming in about the next progression. He is a tactical coach. He's got that news that Gerard and the team didn't really make these changes. I don't think we would be in Europe where we are if we still had the same management team. That's not to say they were bad, but I just don't think he would have done the things that he did. Like he's dropped Lundstrom. Lundstrom's now became like from I think the last pod we were doing, we were like trying to get rid of him. He's now became like a key pivotal player for the team where he sits in midfield and then he drops into a back three and becomes a centre half and helps change the game from there. Um he's made big calls, he pulled Alfie off against Aberdeen and put Roof on and everybody Ibrooks went mental. Two minutes later, Roof scores. Yeah, like he does these. He makes these decisions, and nice when they come off. Exactly, and yesterday he made the decision to put um, Connor Goldson up front as a third striker, and who scored the goal with a lovely finish, but Connor Goldson. <laughs> so that it's happening, and the resilience of the team to get the wins, thank God. Um, but the break couldn't have come at a better time because they looked tired. We're now just hopeful. Morelos came off holding his his leg and got a bit of ice on it and we're hopeful that that was a bit of kind of, I don't know, show business style of, oh, I'm really injured, I can't go to Colombia and play and just give him a rest because he'll end up flying over there and he won't get a sniff of the squad 
if it's the same manager. So just keep them here, keep them fresh. April is probably the biggest month we've had in a, like seasons, like seasons. This April coming, so we want to keep everybody fresh. Ramsey goes away with Wales. Please just don't, don't. We've finally got him fit. We've finally got Aaron Ramsey fit. We signed him at the end of January. Please don't, don't, don't do anything with him. They got a big game as well. The Welsh against I think Austria. They got the, the in the playoffs, isn't it? For yeah, the... it's massive. Like the only yeah. Scotland don't obviously because everything's happening in Ukraine, so they're playing. They're playing a friendly, but just just put everybody all the Rangers players just put them on ice. Just just chill out. Everybody be cool. Come back because the first game back on the third April the third is at Ibrooks against Celtic. Must win. Must win. Yeah, I think I think you have to win. I think if you if you win that, it's obviously wide open. If they win it. I'm not going to say it's game over, but it's a lot harder to come back from. They don't have to win it either. No, a draw is positive for them. So all pressure. But they don't know how they don't know how to play for a draw. No, they don't. They don't, and it'll be interesting to see how. Well, we know how he's going to approach it. We know how Angie's going to approach it. Mm. His usual fucking. Honestly, please look up his interviews recently. He is a fucking miserable bastard. And he's rude. He's rude to people. He is. If, he is quite rude, actually. I've people, noticed that. See if people spoke to me at my job. If I'm a journalist and someone spoke to me like that, I'd be fucking furious. Like I don't get it. Like there's antagonist. There's like, oh, he's one of the guys. Oh, and people, the Celtic fans are like we love him talking like that. You do realize he's coming across just as a dick. Don't don't be rude. <laughs> like he's not your mate. Like um. But anyway, that's my that's my feelings on Ange Postecoglou, fucking Luke Carpenter. <laughs> His time will come soon enough. Don't you worry. Um, it always does. But aye, so that's so that's the the going on with Rangers. I think the last thing you mentioned about there's so much that's been happening. Transfer window's been quiet, but some of the young players, the B team. So we have this season, Celtic Rangers B teams are in like the Lowland High like Highland League thing. Oh. Um, and they're playing against like semi-pro teams, adult teams, but so the junior boy, like the youngsters. And a few of the players have made the the first team squad, and one of them is uh, Alex Lowry, who made a couple of debuts because of some injuries with Hadji and stuff, and in both games got man of the match hmm. for the senior team. So he look, he's young, he's slight, but he's one of these like just very technically gifted, like mercurial exciting players you know like they've got he scored on his debut he beats men for fun but he still has to kind of bulk out a little bit um yeah the b teams were playing rangers celtic were playing at ibrooks the other day rangers won 3-0 at a canter but i would highly recommend i'll send you these andy i would highly recommend listeners check out some of it on twitter Twitter will be your best place if you just type in Lowry. There's a guy, Peña Cartel, uh, I think it's Peña Cartel, named after one of our amazing Mexican signings, Carlos Peña, the Mexican pilot. <laughs> yeah. um, he loved the beer um, and everything else. But two of the two of the plays, he set up a goal with a no-look pass that just went through. And then there's another one where the ball is in the air. He brings it down with like a back flick turn thing turns and just knows instinctively and plays this 50-yard ball straight through the middle of the pitch at an angle onto the on-running 
winger. And it it's no matter what level of football you're playing, no one it's like if you did that yourself, you would replay that moment in your mind for the rest of your life. You know, like the one moment and you'll say, Oh, I could have been a I could have been a pro. Could have, this guy does it. This, there's fans in the stadium for this game against the main rivals, no pressure, just brings it down, turns him, just plays this ball. Um and it's just really exciting. It's exciting to have a young player like that at Rangers. So I just wanted to mention that because I feel like Parson left and we were really excited by him. We'll come on to Fat Frank and what's happening there, but he's he's been treated horrendously at Everton now, unjustly, and I think even the fans know that. Um, and so our next great white hope, as you would call it, is Alex Lowry. He just looks how, how old is he? I think he's like 18, maybe. All right. But so maybe maybe next season he'll sort of properly break it. I would hope so. I would hope he would maybe even get... I don't know if it's because of the run of games we're having and the pressure and stuff. They're, they're trying to manage his expectations. I would have him in the squad. And he has been making the bench for games. I'd have him in the squad without Hadji there. He's just got that same kind of creativity and fearlessness. Yeah. He's got the fearlessness that comes with youth of just like, I'm going to do this. And that that's the Rangers roundup, guys. I've managed to condense six weeks of football into, I think, 20 minutes. I guess that's better than we normally do over like a normal week-to-week one. Yeah, <laughs> very true. That's a pretty good guy. It's, um, yeah, there's just so much that's happened. <laughs> there's so much that's happened. But what about Saints? What's the latest on that? I can sum this one up in about 10 seconds. Uh, we left on a high. Yeah, we, we left, left on a high. massive high. And then I think the, the game after our last podcast, we went and drew with... Is it when we drew with Man City? I can't remember. And then we, we beat uh, Tottenham. We drew with Man United. We won a few more games. All of a sudden, we're, we're flying. Uh, we started to talk about, you know, maybe... We, run at the Europa League, um, you know, if we can get like a top seven finish. Um, and now like three league losses in a row against what, Newcastle, Watford, and uh, I can't even remember the other one. It, it, yeah, you're like, oh, all right, fine. We'll hopefully finish somewhere mid-table. Knocked out of the cup yesterday by Man City, which was probably always going to happen. Um, but yeah, just cannot put my finger on what has gone wrong. But the... The one thing I'll say is the entire time we've had Ralph as our manager, we have been shit or champagne. And we sometimes have a longer period of shit than champagne or a longer period of champagne rather than shit. Um, but you take, a, that, you take a period of Prosecco? Yeah, just give, give me give me some Carver. Carver's fine. That's, that's all right. Uh, just something in the middle, you know, a win here, a loss. It just, I don't know why it's like that with this team under him. And, uh, I, I, yeah, I, can't, I just can't put my finger on it. it. It's just frustrating. And the thing that's frustrating about it is if you're, if you're up and down as a team, you win a couple, you draw one, you lose one, draw one, lose another, win a couple, whatever, like, you know, sort of results where it's just a bit up and down, but not too up and not too down. You sort of understand where you're at. Whereas if you come off a run of playing Man City, Tottenham, 
Man United, two of them being away games, and you come out with five points, then you go and batter a load of other teams with a loss to Wolves in the middle of it. Because we were, we were dominating games and dominating teams. I think before we lost these three in a row, our last 16 matches or something, we'd only lost two. Yeah. Like, we'd absolutely flying and you the quality of football we are playing and the confidence they're playing with um and just the the dynamic nature of it like it was getting commented on a lot in the press about every player had four or five roles or four or five positions to play on the pitch depending on what um what phase of play we were in and it's like it clicked and they all sort of understood that now and and i we we were in a period where it felt like we were unstoppable and then, and then you go and lose these three games. For the life of me, I can't remember who the other one was. But yeah, Newcastle and Watford were two of them. And it, we just didn't turn up. It. This is why I can't put my finger on it. Like, And what I'm saying is we've seen how good it can be. So then why do we get this period do you think of it's because shit? Doesn't, do you think it's because the players maybe subconsciously know there's nothing to play for? They're safe. Like once they had once they had the proper uh, match, they kind of pull away from trouble, and then they come up against the Watford, the Newcastle, who are fighting for survival. Like they're up against it, and they want it more. And that that's why it happens so often with Saints, like at this tail end of the season. And it's not the tail end of the season yet, but we're in the final what eight nine games now of the season. Yeah, you're not gonna are they. They'll, they'll scratch enough points out of that to, to stay up. Yeah, just it's maybe just... maybe mentally go on holiday a little bit. I, I really hope not. Not not when you get to you March. You would hope not. Like, would I could understand not. if it was like the end of April, but... Yeah. Uh, not, yeah, not, not right now. Um, it just... Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I really can't put my finger on it. And you make a good point about Watford and Newcastle. Like, they have to win games. Newcastle, less so now. They're absolutely flying. I think they're, they're apart from Liverpool, they're the form team in the league. And kind of had a feeling we were going to struggle a little bit in that one. Uh, but the Watford game, I mean, it was just dreadful. Um, I have no idea what happened to us in that match. Oh, Aston Villa was the other one. That's why I forgot about that. They they ended our emphatic run of wins by absolutely smashing us 4-0. And they weren't even that good. Uh, we were just terrible. And this is the problem, these three games. The one thing we've got in common through the three games, other than we lost them all, is we were just shit from, from back to front. There's no one really came out of these matches with their head held high. Maybe one or two in each game. But it's just... It's it's Jekyll and Hyde, like really yeah. is. Uh, well, like before that two run, matches. Ralph was getting linked with Man United. Yeah, no. It, it, <laughs> the thing <laughs> is, though, you know what it's like. Like unless unless you're there following the ins and outs of your club every week, <laughs> pundits are pundits are good. They 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 get paid what they get paid because they they understand football. And they know football, but. There's also a lot of like jumping to conclusions about things and and reading into the wrong stuff. And like Ralph Hasenhut was a great manager, but I could have told you in the middle of that run of long wins, he's not going to be the next Man United manager, the next Tottenham manager, no. the next this, that, and everything else. It's not going to happen. He's too inconsistent. Was he not talking about retiring? Yeah, he yeah he's he's retiring 
when he leaves us in two years, he's announced it and he's helping the club find his successor already. I mean, that's that's assuming he stays two years. He's been with us for, God, four or five years now. Like how, you know, that's quite a long time for a Premier League manager. He's done well yeah. to stay for that long. Fair enough, he had a, you know, nine month pandemic holiday in the middle of it, but it's still a pretty big run of game, a big run of of years to be in charge of the same team in the Prem. So, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know if it's see out his contracts, we'll see how next season goes. Uh, we've got new owners in. They're obviously going to want to be a bit ambitious. We'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, there was no no way was he ever going to get one of these big jobs. It's, it's such a ridiculous notion. Um, and you know, you start to see some of our players like linked to other clubs. And um, Jan Bednarek is a, a weird one. He's been absolute toilet since we lost nine nil to Man United a couple of months ago. He started to look like he was getting better again, and he's been useless the last few games and he got left out of the game on the weekend because ralph said his head maybe wasn't in the right place felt like he couldn't that. you know go of, into certain challenges and all this because i'm the thinking national game coming up yeah i just uh yeah i i i don't know what the reason is behind that it just felt a little bit strange to me um i i think he's going in the summer but he's been terrible for us for the last year now um so i'm not but he was getting linked with like ac milan juventus these huge italian clubs now we've just lost four in a row he's getting linked with the italian clubs at the other end of the table which just goes to show like the pundits just jump on you know whatever's sort of popular and trending because i i could have told you if 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 jan bednarik kept 10 clean sheets in a row and you ask me if he's going to go to a big club, I'd say no, because he's not consistent enough. He's not brave enough as a centre-back. Uh, one thing I've noticed with him all season is he will always go for like the safe option when the ball's coming over the top of heading it out for a throw-in rather than trying to do something else with it. I'm not saying I want my defenders to take all the chances, but it, it gets to that point where it's like, stop putting the ball out for a throw-in. Like, just fucking control it and do something with it. So, yeah. It, it, that's one example of, of many because how half our players got linked with big moves when we were winning games. Do you have a? I know that you've got a few players out of contract then the season. Is it is it like an on mass exodus approach? Like because you've got your goalkeepers, haven't you? And then you've got a couple of defenders, strikers. You should be okay, but uh, yeah, the the big one is the two goalkeepers, McCarthy and Forster. To be honest, with the the turnaround in form Forster's had, I'd I'd give him another sort of one year or two year contract. They're going to have to reduce his salary though because he's one of our highest paid players. Yeah. Um. But I I would sign him to be our number two. We have to go out and get a top quality goalkeeper. I think I said this on our very first ever episode yeah. of this podcast. We have to go and get a top quality goalkeeper. Our our number one keeper next season cannot be Alex McCarthy. And that's, I think, what most Saints fans are concerned is going to be the case. But there, there are good options out there. Um, I'd like to think that we're talking already to Sam Johnson, who's West Brom goalkeeper, uh, contract in the summer. They're obviously not getting promoted because they hired Steve Bruce and he's gone like 10 games with one win or something. Um, so Sam Johnson has been in the England squad. He's going to want to get back in England squad. He's not going to do that playing for West Brom. He needs to come to the Premier League. 
Um, I'd like to think that we would go for him. He's, I don't know what he is, 28, 29 years old, something like that. We'd get at least like five decent years out of him. It's a no-brainer. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a few decent keepers around, but we, we need to sign... We need to sign someone and we need to do it early summer so that they can bed in with the yeah. defence through preseason. Um in terms of who else sat a contract, I can't think of any any other big ones that we need to tie down. I was just wondering if there's an opportunity for a a reset. Obviously you've got the new owners, mm. a little bit more money. Um and obviously the higher up the table you, you finish, the more money comes into the club. But it's just if if Ralph's talking about leaving in two years or whatever, would the club back him as such to go yeah. buy these players, or actually let's just try and squeeze it out for another season or two, and then we'll invest wholesale along those lines. So, so Ralph, Ralph on on all transfers works incredibly closely with the with the CEO and the head of sports, whatever it is. I can't remember. I never remember these titles. Um, so it's not 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 just kind of on him i think they actually come to him and say like we've we've sort of found this this selection or he goes to them and says i've found this selection and then they between them like okay which ones do you like which ones do you like it's a very kind of diplomatic approach to, to to signing players so i don't think it'd be a reset it's more kind of evolution i don't think there's going to be a point where you know there was a few years ago when we were sort of riding high under pochettino and then under Coman. We ended up selling sort of half of our first team squad to to Liverpool and Arsenal. Um, obviously, we didn't want to do that. If, if it's a reset, it's probably more out of choice. But I don't think there's too much of the squad we want to get rid of. I've stayed away from reading anything on Twitter or other news sources since we started losing games because I know exactly the players are going to turn on. I just don't want to read it because these players were getting you know heralded as being best thing since sliced bread for the last two months and fans I'm sure it's the same with every club but fans can be fickle and I just I just didn't want to read those comments but I know they'll all be calling for like Redmond to get booted out Gineppo needs to go um they'll say Ulyanusi's a poor man Stuart Armstrong um Adam Armstrong needs to go because he doesn't score any goals like it just I don't even need to read it to know what people are going to be saying and most of it's wrong um, I think we keep most of the squad together over the summer. There's not that many players that I would like to see move on. There's not that many players that I think will move on. Um, but yeah, there's a clear clear positions where we need to strengthen. We, we're going to have to sign a striker. Um, we're not going to be able to get Amanda Breuer from Chelsea because Chelsea aren't allowed to sell anyone or loan anyone under the current sanction that's in place. Um, and also, if that sanction is lifted, a much bigger club is going to come in and get him than, than us. I think yeah. um, he may even stay at Chelsea because, you know, Lukaku's not working out, Werner's not working out, they don't really have another centre-forward. Um, so we have to get a centre-forward, we have to get a goalkeeper. Arguably, we get two goalkeepers if both of them leave. Um, although, unfortunately, I think McCarthy will sign a new contract. Um, I think Bednarek will go. We'll get a new centre-back in, although we've got quite an exciting young centre-back out on loan at the moment. So maybe he'll play a bit next season. Um, midfield we're probably all right. I think we could do with shifting probably one or two of the number tens, as they like to call them now. I think Gineppo's probably had enough time to to prove his worth. It's just not quite worked out for him. I quite like the guy; he works really hard, but he's not quite at the right level we need. So 
I think if a bid comes in, he'll go. Um, and then there's, you know, there's usually a surprise that you don't expect to leave that will leave. Maybe, maybe another one of the wingers. I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I, I don't think there's going to be any oh, sort, of, sort of mass yeah. upheaval. We lost Vestergaard, Bertrand, and Ings last summer, who are all sort of huge, yeah, you know, established players. players, and we haven't really missed any of them. We've had we've been spoiled at fullback. Um, with the players that have kind of kicked on this season and, and were signed in the summer. Uh, up front, we've had Broya, which has been incredibly fortunate that he's been as good as he has been. Um, so, yeah, we've not missed Ings goals so much from, from last year. And then uh, Vestergaard, to be honest, what I was saying about pundits earlier, like they see him have a good tournament at the Euros and they think he's they think he's at a better level than he is. Vestergaard had maybe half a good season for us. He's pretty average the rest of the time. Uh, ask any Leicester fan about it because they, can, they can't stand him. Fair enough. Yeah, well, so that's where we are. So not much has happened. It, no, it really hasn't. Like, between Rangers and Saints, it's business as usual. No, nothing at all. Ups and downs. But yeah. Well, we, we, can't, we can't cover the entirety of the the Premier League and the SPFL um, in this pod nor do we want to but let's just touch on the key points Chelsea up for sale ton apparently like 30-40 bidders I don't think this will end well I don't think they're getting I know John Terry's flung his hat in the ring with some bidders That's how can he afford to his NFTs have lost 90% of their value ah, but no, he, he got the money of everybody that bought them oh he? right I see of course he did um, allegedly, so the um, they're not they're looking rocky. Team seems to be playing, but they're in a situation where they can't they can't remove the sponsors from the strips currently, who have asked to be removed the main sponsors and play in a bare strip because they they can't legally afford to buy new strips without the sponsors on the strips. Um, <laughs> Just couldn't write this like madness there, but they seem to be kind of holding it together for the best part. Liverpool are marching on. We now have a title race again. Man City, they're still looking very good. Obviously, you saw them firsthand yesterday. Some nice goals and stuff, but it'll be an interesting title race, at least for the, the neutrals watching. You know that gap at the top between Liverpool and Chelsea, uh, Liverpool and Man City was was 15 points in January, yeah. and it's one now. Like that, I, I know Man City have had a, a slightly... Rocky time, but that's incredible. But Liverpool have just been relentless. They've turned into a machine again. Just machine again. Like this is a Liverpool of like two seasons ago. Yeah, where it was just dominant, um, and they're looking very good in Europe. Um, The European draws have been made. I think the Liverpool Benfica game's interesting because I don't think Benfica will be an easy ride by any means. Um, No, won't. It's definitely a favourable draw, but I don't think it's an easy ride. I think Chelsea probably, I thought, oh, well, Real Madrid will pump them based on the Real Madrid score last night. <laughs> yeah, I know what happened there. Like 4-0 Barca for anyone that didn't know. Um, so that was a bit of shock. The UEFA Cup on that, the Europa League draw, where the West Ham fans being like, yeah, bring on Barca. I think last night they might have been like, ah, oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> yeah. If they get through there, who did they get again? They got Leon, didn't they? Yeah, um, that's a tough, tough game. It's a tough game because we had them in our group this season. Um, but they knock, they knock, they knock out Sevilla. 
No, West Ham. West Ham knocked out Sevilla, yeah. That, then, I mean, that's that's unbelievable, time. really. Consider what masters of the Europa League they are. I just have to say, the, the way Sky Sports and Talk Sport and all that were talking about how it's a phenomenal result with the budget that West Ham have to get to the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Um, excuse me? <laughs> like, with the budget that West Ham have? The, 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 the biggest signing in our squad is Ryan Kent at like 6.7 million. Glenn Kamara was fifty grand. Come on, don't <laughs> don't be giving us all this fucking. We got there as well. Um, arguably putting out a better team, but um, I think there's so much going on in the league. The one I wanted just hone in on two points quickly before we finish up. Um, Newcastle turned it around. Eddie Howe. I think you can see the the standard, the the, the coaching and stuff starting to make an impact there. Oh, massively. I think it's really unfair how so many people are claiming that it's only happened because they spent so much money in January. No. Like, A, they all right, they spent 80 million. It's not outrageous compared to what others have spent before. B, they've not bought in like these, you know, big world-class names that everyone was touting around. They've bought really, really astutely. And Eddie Howe has had to integrate those into a team that he's only just inherited. I think he's done an unbelievable job in the time he's been there. The really incredible. Le- I think the fitness levels he's done, he's done what you would expect, like the, the cliches. Get them tight at the back, get them fit. But to get a team fit halfway through a season is not an easy task. It, it's God, not. No. Because the, amount, the run of games that you've got as well, so you're having to like, what is it they say like you you load the players don't you and then you deload like you unload them the next game mm. and all this kind of stuff but at the same time you're trying to increase the stamina levels and get them to a level where they can run all game and they're at that level now he's turned joe linton into a football player albeit a midfielder but he's he's turned him into a football player which was an impossible task <laughs> yeah it really was and he's done he's, it. And but so, he's turned around so many other players as well I saw I saw Ryan Frazier talking after after they beat Brentford, I think it was. Um he was he was smiling ear to ear, he looked like the Joker. He was he was talking about everything that Eddie Howard had done and implemented at that club since he'd been there. And he was like, Look, I could I could go on for hours, but like he's like the stuff he's done from the small things are like, you know, a motivational sign that's hung up in a certain part of the training ground or something through to the way he's got people talking to each other at the training pitch and all that like it's all the things we don't see that i think is what has has made them a success like he's yeah. a, he's a quality manager already how he's absolutely quality and they were so smart bringing him in when they could have gone for one of these big names like we were joking about all the brazilian players they were going to sign and um well, you know, still time for that in, in preseason. Yeah, yeah, of course. But like they've they have done exactly what they needed to do at Newcastle, and it's paid off. And that's what happens when you, like, whoever was advising them on the side, and went like Eddie Howe, do this, do that, because they would have had advisors because yep. big name. They would have been looking at big names first, wouldn't they? And they went for of course. they went they went for um, Unai Emery. Unai Emery, yeah. Who I don't think would have been a bad choice. I just don't think he would have got them out of this situation the way that Eddie Howe has. No, I agree with that. However, let's now flip to the second point. Everton Football Club, who <laughs> went the other way. I know I know you I know you want to hammer Lampard for this, but this is so much bigger than just Frank it's Lampard. It's so much bigger than Lampard. The reason I wanted to hammer Lampard is based on his comments yesterday, where he's now 
he's hitting every cliche in the book where none of this is his fault. It's now the players don't have the bollocks to do it. Um, he's at the, he's at he's almost at the end stage of a managerial appointment already because yeah. <laughs> he's flung the players under the bus. He's blaming their desire and their want. Um, it re- do you know what it reminded me of? Though it really landed in my head. This happens to ex-players who become managers, who then have to work with players who aren't as good as they were, and they can't get their head around why they can't do what they could do. Mm. And that's what it's it sounded like to me. Of like, well, I I I could have I could have picked the ball up and I could have passed him in. Yeah, that's 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 good, Frank. But that player's not you. Therefore, you have to coach. And you have to build a structure and a system around a team where a player can do that. Like Steven Gerrard, right? He came in and I think he learned that very quickly and he luckily had the right backroom staff around him who could coach players to do certain things. But he was never saying of his players, well, I scored 93rd minute winners from 30 yards. Why are you not doing that? Yeah. And that's what he sounded like. That's what Lampard sounded like to me yesterday. When he's claiming that the players don't have the bollocks, they don't. I don't know. We controlled the game until they scored. Well, mate, that that that's that might be on you. If you're controlling games and then the team scores and you your team falls apart, are you know if you know got a strategy in place that when the goal scored, you change shape or you do it like Mourinho used to fucking make them train with ten players and nine players, didn't he? For every scenario, if a player gets sent off. We change mm. to this shape, we do this. If we concede first, we change here, we go. So it's not like he's never been in those scenarios of being coached like that. But I just, I, I'm, I know there's so much else going on at Everton, right? But the reality is he can't get more, play- the players are there. The players are at his disposal now. He can't change the players. There's no cheat code. He's got to work with what he's got. Compare that to like Rooney at Derby. Do you know what I mean? You don't yeah. hear Rooney saying stuff like that about our players don't have the bollocks to dig it out because there just seems to be a different approach of I was one of the world's greatest players ever. However, this is not beneath me. Yeah, I think the, the difference is Derby have practically had no hope all season. They've every bit of luck against them and obviously huge points deficit. And like rightly so, because they broke so many rules, blah, blah, blah. But like there is a reason that, that they are where they are. And uh, th- th- they they can't get any lower. If they lost every game under Rooney, I don't think anyone would be looking at Rooney and going, that's ah, your fault. Like he was, he walked into the shittest hand he could have been dealt. Lampard, is it a club that is expected to challenge for Europe this season and are finding themselves challenging to stay in the Premier League and everything there is under the, the microscope. And I'm not saying that he's without blame, like far from it, um, but there's something rotten that's happened at that football club. But would you not say that he should, again, harken back to like Mourinho? Because you'd imagine Mourinho had the biggest influence on him. Mm. Until the second round of his Chelsea managerial career, Mourinho would jump in front of any criticism and make it about him to protect the players. 
And a lot of managers do that, especially at this stage of the season, because mm. those players don't lose out if they get relegated, the ones on the big money. Really? They might, the odd one might have a relegation clause, but it's highly unlikely most of them do. Um, their reputation gets diminished a little bit, but they'll still get moves. Lampard's mm. reputation gets smashed. And so if, if he's turning on the players at this stage going, oh, you're no good at the balls, you're no good enough, you're no this, they might just go, oh, fuck you. We'll go down. Doesn't it bother me? This is you know? the problem, and I think we we called it out um, at the end of the January window. Like looking at the signings they made, they seemed like very strange signings for a team that was trying to scrape their way out of a relegation battle. They they're a team with no confidence, no confidence throughout the whole team, throughout the whole squad, throughout the whole club. They signed um, Deli Ali, a man completely broken of confidence who. With no disrespect meant to Deli Ali, he's not the guy that's going to get you out of a relegation battle. But that was a, that's a Lampard signing. Yeah, yeah, more than likely. Um, they also signed um, Donny van der Beek, a man with absolutely no confidence whatsoever, um, completely smashed out of him by, by Man United. And then they signed... Two guys to the same fullback position, one from your lot who doesn't play at all, and the other fella, the Ukrainian chap, um, Mikhalenko. Yep. Yeah, Mikhalenko. I've seen him once or twice, I can't really comment, but they're just, to me, they were all very, very odd signings for the position that that, that club is in. I know the Partisan one was in the works for a long time. Mm. Um, why he's not playing him, I don't understand, because he is better than Seamus Coleman's done. I've been watching games. Seamus Coleman's legs are gone. Oh, like, completely. He cannot take it. Parson can play that position. He's done it in international games. He's done it in Europe for Rangers. I don't understand what what the the, the strategy is there and some of the stuff he's said. In the, like, obviously, I've been paying a close eye to it, as there's a lot of Rangers fans. It just seems very odd what he's doing there. Um and some of his comments about Parson just seem very off to the point where it, the poor guy's reputation, Parson's reputation is kind of getting dragged through the mud a bit as if he's like this really shit player. Mm. Celtic fans, as usual, say it's a conspiracy that they were in cahoots <laughs> with Rangers to make sure Rangers didn't go bust. Um, aye, sure. Um, but yeah, it's an odd situation, but I just think it'll be one to keep a very close eye on because if he doesn't get a reaction after this, where does he go next? What does he say next? God knows. Do you know what I mean? Really? Like it's, it's it's the desperate, it's the last gasp, like desperation of a man backed into a corner, going like, I don't know what to do. And we knew, we knew this would happen. Like if he yeah. didn't turn it around immediately, and they start going, look at again, look at Gerard at Villa. Villa were in a similar position when he came in, stuttering whatever. But the squad was, we said, the squad's too good to go down. They just need readjusted, maybe a new manager, new system. And sure enough, they're not performing great. His interview went viral at the weekend, Gerard's interview, because he bit back at the, the interviewer. But they get beat off Arsenal, right, fine. But that's where they're at. There's no delusions that they're, they're going to be a top four team, a top six team at the moment. They're getting there, but at least there's been progress made. And the Villa fans can see that. And I think the majority of Villa fans are happy with how the club's progressing. 
So you'll take the you'll take the hits on the chin because you go, that's going to happen. If those same types of defeats are happening this time next season, then questions get asked. But under Lampard, it's been like one step. You're saying shit or champagne for Southampton. This has been like <laughs> cup of tea. And then just straight into the fucking sewers, man, like swimming in the shit. Like it's it really there's has. not there's not been there's not been the highs. They've not even they've not even if anything they just keep getting dragged in, they're in quicksand. And the more they struggle, the more it's happening and it's pulling them down and down and down. I'm gonna pull I've not got it up. I'm gonna pull up the table because I think it'll be really interesting to know. The the fourth bottom Everton. Fourth bottom, but how's everybody around them? So at the moment, you've got Norwich dead bottom. Burnley, who have two games in hand. Same as Everton, though. So Burnley are four points behind Everton, with same games yep. played. Uh, Watford are two games ahead of them on 22. And then Leeds. So Leeds are Leeds are still in trouble. Brentford, they're no clearer to either. Um, Newcastle seem to be pulling away. So really, you're looking at... You're, Everton are in a fight with Leeds, Watford, and Burnley. Yeah, pretty pretty much, and arguably Brentford probably still as well. I think everyone from Newcastle upwards, it, yeah. I would say, is safe. Um, Brighton will be looking over their shoulder because they've lost God knows how many games in a row now. Um, but yeah, just, yeah. yeah something sat there as well. well. We can talk about them on the next pod, but I think for. For these purposes, Everton, Everton's next fixtures let, run of fixtures is let's see, they've got West Ham away. They've got they've actually got an incredibly tough run in West Ham away. Then they play Burnley, the usual six pointer. Yeah. Away. Then oh, they've that's got be a tough game. Then they get Man United at Goodison. Um, the Everton Crystal Palace is postponed, I believe, because of Palace beating them in the cup. Yeah. Um, so that we need to get rescheduled. But based on the their performance yesterday, probably not a good fixture for them. Then they have Leicester at Goodison. Then they've got Liverpool away. Then, then it's Chelsea. Then it's Leicester again. It's Brentford, and then it's Arsenal away. Like really, Brentford and Burnley. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, they're going to really... have to look at like like Leicester at home. They have to go and win. They by and oh they've got sorry they've got one they've got Watford away as well that's postponed. So they need to win. They need to win those. Massive for them was beating Newcastle. It was huge because if they if they hadn't won that they would be equal with points like with Watford and Newcastle would be gone. Yep. So that that's that was massive for them, but. You're looking at that run of fixtures and you're just, if you're an Everton fan, fuck. Like, you, you just get no, and that's why I'm thinking, like, what's, how is that, how is that motivating to the, I just don't understand his logic. I don't know what he thinks he's doing. And I don't know if he's, it sounded like the, the, the gasp of a panicking man, you know, like the, you know, those pedo hunters that go online <laughs> and there's a famous clip where they cap, they get the guy and he's like, a wee short, bald-headed guy. And he's really high-pitched voice. He's like, I'm going to lose my job. No, I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> it felt like that. That's who, when I've seen Lampard in these press conferences, I'm just like, mate, 
you were giving interviews before you took this job about how you're waiting for the right job and how bum bum and this and that and that. And then you've taken this absolute fucking disaster of a club. Yeah. That, that that's that's the thing that confuses me about him most in in this situation is why did he take that job? Because he doesn't need the money. No, no, no. Unless he bought NFTs off John Terry, like what? Really? What's the <laughs> what's what? What's the desire? Like they're a big Everton are a big club, right? And yeah, the massive club. They're a traditional, famous English club. But. I get, weirdly at the same time as these interviews were coming out before he took the job and he's like I'm waiting for this Rooney was doing his interviews in the press and he said that one of the things that Ferguson taught him was about um, looking at the don't don't look at just the club look at the owner and all that kind of stuff and granted Derby an absolute clusterfuck but he at least knew what he was getting into to an extent he took the job what temporary he was like appointed yeah. like temporary manager well he was playing there wasn't he he'd he moved back playing. from the US to sort of finish his career off so he obviously knew the owner because the owner's wind and dined him and all that stuff's happened and so at least they knew what he was involved in and he could he could have walked away and he's like no I'm sticking this out and he leaves there no matter what happens with Derby he can go to another club at the end of the season because people will be like he's done a phenomenal job so why why who was advising Frank in this like John Terry again like who who's, yeah. who's <laughs> It's like the judgment was just oh, terrible. It felt it felt desperate, didn't it? Like to me, it felt even in his first interview, it just it felt desperate that he'd taken. They should that have appointed. Job. They should have appointed that Portuguese manager purely because he would never been able to save it either. But at least he would have took the flak. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like one of those like just hit jobs, like just I'll I'll take it, give it to me. I'll 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 deflect, and then you guys concentrate on the next three months of. How are we going to rebuild this club from the championship? Why didn't they bring in Roy Hodgson? That was that would have been a smarter move. Roy's yeah. been there and done it, and like you know what, he he could still get Watford out of this. He could, and I, I think that's, I don't think, that, that I don't think he will, money. but he could. He'll take. He'll. I think Watford will take. Watford will take something off Everton when they play them. Absolutely, I think he's smart enough, yeah. and he knows he knows exactly how to do to do the dirty stuff that's required. To rescue teams, they should have went big Sam. Uh, I, I joked about that with a few mates, uh, totally forgetting that he'd already been there. And He's been, been there and booted, hated. booted out by the fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the thing. Go you got you got to be careful what you wish for in football because you, sometimes you think you've got it, you know, you've got it bad, but where's, it could always get Steve? worse. Where's Steve McLaren? Oh, God knows. Alan Pardew. I'm just I'm going through the, the, the <laughs> classics here. Anyone else? I mean, how disappointed would you be if one of them turned up as your manager? Alan Alan Pardew, God. There's so many terrible stories about him. Yeah. But uh, Neil Lennon, obviously he was available, but he's now in, he's in Where Cyprus, is he now? Cyprus? He? Cyprus. Yeah. The Cypriot League. Yep. Highest highs to the higher highs. <laughs> anyway, on this note, we'll leave it there. Again, you know what's going to happen? He's going to pull off an unstoppable, unbeaten end of the season. Lampard's going to get voted manager of the month. Um, <laughs> like, this is what this pod's here to do. I genuinely hope it doesn't happen because I don't mean this. I don't mean this horribly to any Everton fans, but I really would love to see Everton go down this season. 
I think it just sends out a good message to any prospective buyers of football clubs uh, to a whole host of others. Just, you know, you can't, you can't buy your way to the top. That's a good way to end it. You can't buy your way to the top. Yeah, you can try. <laughs> you can have some fun doing it. I'm trying to think. Who's top of the league right now? Man City? Yep. Um, <laughs> yep. There's a case in point of a team that couldn't buy their way to the top. Yeah, exactly. Until they bought the best players in the world and the best manager. Anyway, on that note, it's been a pleasure, Andy. Good to be back in the swing of things. Guys, thanks for listening. Absolutely. Again, send us all your tweets, all your love, all your messages at Away Days Pod on Twitter. And I think that's it. We've not, we never even, oh, we did. I was like, we never get any soap references in. I did mention Luke Carpenter. Yeah, I'm sure Luke Carpenter was mentioned a few times. But anyway, thanks a lot, guys. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Cheers. See ya.